Hello and welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining me this week. I'm David Widmar, co-founder of Ag Economic Insights, joining you for a look into what we've been thinking about and writing about and discussing on the AEI Premium site. Of course, this is not a substitute for logging in and reading the latest articles and seeing the charts for yourself and spending some time reflecting on this, but sort of a preview to help you prioritize and to really think about where you want to spend your time when you're in the AEI site and hopefully nudge you to log back in and update your forecast or take a look at the latest content. So going to kick this off by talking through a couple articles that we updated. And one of the more interesting articles that I feel that I've written in the last several weeks, one of the things that I guess it helped clarify my thinking a lot. This week was kind of thinking clarification exercise for David. So I hope this helps you as well. But it kind of dawned on me recently that the corn and soybean acreage situation for the balance sheets has really tightened. And I started looking back and in May, the WASI report estimated 180.5 million acres combined for corn and soybeans. Now corn has came down from that estimate. Soybeans have came down from that estimate, but collectively they started 180.5. Today, it's at least the September WASI that's going to get updated here in early October 12th. But in September, the WASI estimated 176.4 million acres. So where do those acres go? Where did those additional acres go? And there's not an easy way to look at that. Part of that challenge is because it's a different survey. And this was the prospective plantings report back in March. Producers, of course, could change their mind. There was prevented planting going on, their survey air. So there's a lot of things. So it's not easy to say, what are these several million acres disappear to? But we can start to do some head scratching on this. And I think a lot of producers are picking up on this. A lot of industry observers are picking up on this. And the key takeaways, not only have yields trimmed down or gone lower, especially for corn, but we also have seen this acreage story evolve or update or shift over time. So let's talk about this acreage conundrum or this acreage situation. And you know where do these acres go? And the first thing we want to look at, the first suspect in the, that we go round up when we want to talk about acreage issues is prevented planting. Where it happened with US prevented planting. Now, this is a little bit of a hard idea to initially think about, but there's always some level of prevented planting. So there's a baseline prevented planting. And so any given year can come in above that or under that. And it looks like prevented planting conditions in 2022 are going to be slightly above the norm. So there's almost 7 million acres of prevent plant going on. Now that's a big change from what we saw last year, which was 2.2 million. So we're at 7 million this year. We're at 2.2 million last year. The average is almost 6 million. So this gives you some context. Nowhere near the nearly 19 million acres back in 2019 and the 10 million acres in 2020. So an average year, but still, you know, an adjustment from last year. So one way of thinking about this is last year, the U.S. production ag factory was running really strong, probably above normal capacity because we had the acres that we would have expected. And then we were able to plant even fewer prevent plant, which brought more acres into production. Now, we can also look at and think about the share of corn and soybean acres that are planted or prevent plant acres as a share 
of planted acres. And what's important to recognize here for 2022 is that corn is a little bit of a prevent plant story, more so than necessarily soybeans. If you look at the long run averages, it's more of a corn development than a soybean story. Now, the part that we look at really closely is this idea of the U.S. factory. And so we take reported planted acres, reported prevent plant acres. We can throw all those together. We can say, okay, well, what would have corn and soybean acres been under normal prevent plant conditions? And then we can compare actual versus kind of a normal baseline. And that normal baseline that we see here in 2020 is slightly down from just a couple of years ago. It's I believe it's around 2 million acres, but it's quite small. It's actually less than 1%. Now, always one of the ideas like, oh, corn and soybean acres are down 1%. You're going to initially know like, well, there's a lot of air in that, a lot of survey noise in there. And so we don't want to get too bad out of shape about the 1% or 0.8% specifically. But 2 million acres kind of catches our attention a lot more. And that's what we have going on there. Now, the other thing I think is really worth noting is that this factory a lot of people are going to focus on the downturn. I think that's maybe a little bit of noise. It's too early to build a big case about that. But the longer run story here is that the factory hasn't expanded for corn and soybean production, despite the high commodity prices, despite the profitability. Why? Well, we dug in just a little bit and looked at U.S. wheat and cotton acres. And it's important to note that those two crops have been gobbling up more and more of the production. So they were they've gained about 3 million total acres over the last couple of years. And so you have this scenario where corn and soybeans have been flat to maybe slightly lower, but at the same time, cotton and wheat have been expanding their acreage. So to wrap this up, what's going on in the 2022 acreage debate? Well, uh, the acreage situation, well, first off, the USDA had a really high estimate. They was probably anticipating an expansion of corn and soybeans. Two, preventive planting in 2022 was higher than 21, but it's generally returned to normal conditions. For corn and soybeans specifically, 2022 acreage is only slightly below normal a preventive plant. So those aggregate, I know it said soybean, corn is a little above, soybeans were a little above, but collectively, we didn't see a huge deviation here across those two crops. The U.S. ag factory has declined slightly, about 1.4 million acres from 2020 peak. But it's a change that's less than 1%. And finally, over that same 2020 to 2022 period, cotton and wheat acres picked up about 4 million additional acres. So a lot of moving pieces. We haven't seen this expansion of corn and soybeans. A lot of it's been offset, likely because of strong outlooks for cotton and wheat. What do we expect for 2023? Well, this acreage debate is going to remain tense. We still expect that most of these crops, maybe not so much cotton, but most of these crops are going to be actively monitoring the acreage debate. They're not going to want to give up acres. And we also have to keep in mind this prevent plant situation. In general, you know, the U.S. ag factory hasn't crossed that 180 million acre threshold. And so we can still get above 180 million acres, but it's probably going to take a really low prevent plant crop to pull that off. So we'll see how this all comes together, but a good article to update your thinking and update your expectations on. The second one is we looked at inflation data for 2022 through August, the most current string of that. Of course, we have two forecast network questions. We opened one back at the beginning of the year, and that asks, will inflation in the U.S. economy be above 3.5%? And in hindsight, it seems like that was a really, really low threshold, but it's important to spend some time going back and re-looking at where expectations were at the end of December 2021 to beginning of January 2022. We currently have a question open about the prospects of getting above 6% for the PCE. 
so we've raised the threshold, but we updated the article. I'm gonna encourage you to go read that and think through that. Now, before we dive into this, I want you to spend just a couple seconds asking yourself, what was PCE inflation in the US economy in 2021? I'll get back to the answer. Just want you to sort of think about that and put a number in your head and kind of lock that in there and hold that in there. So let's talk about the current data. In August, the year-over-year changes came in at 6.2%. And as you can see throughout the first eight months of the year, we have been consistently at this 6 to 7% range. The first eight months have averaged 6.5%, which is considerably higher than anything we've seen in recent history. We were at 1.8% in 2017, 2.1% in 2018, you know, and then back between one and a half and one percent between 2019 and 2020. What was inflation on an annual basis in 2021? It was four percent. And I asked you that question earlier because every time I see that, I have to go double check the data because I'm always saying it was only four percent. And I don't want to make light of four percent. It's considerably higher than the Fed's two percent goal. But this, the recency data, the six percent that we've seen almost every month throughout 2022 uh, has sort of got me thinking that the past was higher or the, you know, 2021 was higher than what it really was. Now, the other thing that I want to point out on inflation is if you see a sort of sudden tick up in inflation, these year over year changes can have a way of sticking in there. And I give the example of, let's say you go one entire year and the price of an iPhone is a thousand dollars. And then in January the next year, you raise it by $100, so then it's $1,100 for the entire calendar year of the next year. Every single year that that price hike took place, so from January to December, you're going to do those year-over-year changes, you're going to see a 10%. Prices for iPhone were 10% higher in January than they were a year before, 10% higher in February than they were a year before, and you're going to go on. The math and the methods make sense, but your thinking, in my opinion, at least my thinking, will get sort of distorted if you hear 12 times throughout one calendar year that the iPhone has gone up 10%. The price of iPhones has gone up 10%. When in reality, there was one price shock. And so this year-over-year changes can be difficult. So what we did is we took a look at these underlying PCE indices, and we also took a look at the month-over-month changes. And what we've seen here is PCE inflation in 2022 is very different than what we saw in 2021. 2021 was pretty consistent coming in at these monthly data are hard to interpret, but it was a half of a percent month over month change throughout most of 2021. It was you know, below that threshold in 2020, as we anticipated. But when we got here into 2022, the first few months were staying in there at that 0.5% month over month change. And then we saw the Ukraine-Russia conflict. We saw that jump almost to 1%. Then it fell. It jumped back up to that 1% threshold. And so we have seen a few months that are well above 2021's inflation. And then we've seen more recently a few months that are well below. And so what do we take all this together? First off, keep in mind that these year-over-year changes in inflation are going to stay in the data for a while. These month-over-month changes can move around a lot but can give us a pretty good idea of how conditions are starting to change on the margin. It's going to take a while. It takes a while for us to be confident that inflation sort of improved or maybe getting worse, but we're going to start to see it in these month over month changes. And, you know, in July and August, we had seen some improvements. We had seen the data coming in at a more favorable level. Now, it's true in June, we were at 1% month over month changes. And those changes would be really big if they were sustained and compounded over an entire year. It'd be like 
12, almost 13% annualized rates of inflation. And so we have seen the spectrum of very extreme to very subtle, very benign inflation on a month-over-month basis here in 2022. What do you want to do? What do you want to think about? I would encourage you to update your forecast. I think that 6% threshold, I have an 85% forecast. It's probably a good forecast. I think there are some, you know, it's coming in at 6.5%. So far, I probably need to up my forecast just a little bit, but I'm sitting here thinking, okay, we've had July and August that was below that threshold. So July and August was actually pulling some of that, that inflation down a little bit. If we have a few more months of that, we're going to probably approach that 6% threshold. I think 6% is a really good way for you to think about your expectations around that. Of course, October 12th is the next WASI report. Get your forecast in there for the yield forecast challenge. Make sure you want to update and think about that. And that's all that I have to discuss this week. As always, don't hesitate to reach out with suggestions or feedback, topics that we can cover or ways that we can help you think through some of the challenges that you might be facing. Until then, stay curious.